Hello, and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside Numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thank you for being here today. I know you have a lot of choices. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe you could share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds on your end can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. You can also now help support the Cubs PS Plus podcast by going to cubspsplus.patreon.com. There are four support tiers that come with added perks, such as access to a private Discord discussion group, access to bonus episodes, merchandise discounts in the merch store that will launch in the coming weeks, and the ability to submit priority questions ahead of time for interview guests and more. Your support will help me keep this podcast ad-free. Welcome into episode 40, the Rick Sutcliffe episode of this podcast. The Cubs are struggling. They're not hitting, they're not pitching, and they're, uh, yeah, they're losing. Just got swept by the Los Angeles Angels, and they're headed to San Francisco tonight. What can the Cubs do to turn this around? Is there any reason for hope? What do the Cubs maybe look like they're going to do at the deadline? I don't know, but let's talk about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here. We. Go. Remember last week when I talked about the Cubs' potential to go 5-5 five and five on this road trip and have it be you know, another lost opportunity because 10 more games have come off the schedule? At this point, I would kill for the Cubs to go 5-5 five and five on this road trip. After getting swept last night by the Angels, the Cubs are now 2-5 and five on this road trip and heading to San Francisco with the tails between their legs. And it's it's just really frustrating. And I know everybody is frustrated and everybody is mad. I look at Cubs social media. I look at Facebook, Twitter. Um, I listen to the podcasts. Like, this team should not be this bad. But they are, and they're trending worse. I mean, it's, it's really kind of mind-blowing. I mean, this is a team made up of Guys with long reputations as pros, pros, pros. You know, nobody has ever questioned Dansby Swanson's work ethic or Nico Horner's or Ian Happ's or Seiya Suzuki's. Um, Trey Mancini has always had a great reputation. You know, like this should be a good clubhouse. Now, I don't know anything about the clubhouse. Um, They seem to have a good time earlier in the year, but it's easy to have a good time when you're winning and it's harder to have a good time when you're losing. But I'm sure these guys are grinding. I don't think the team is giving up. I don't think they're quitting. I don't think they're lazy. Um, It's just kind of the perfect death spiral right now. I mean, everybody's, basically everybody's in a slump all at the same time. I mean, you look at the season numbers and the season numbers look more or less okay. I mean, looking at just the offense here, you know, Christopher Morrell with a season-long WRC plus of 153. But that was pretty much all from his first 12 games. You know, since then he's been frankly, pretty terrible. Um, Miguel Amaya has been a nice spark. I'm glad he's up. I'm glad he's playing. Cody Bellinger has been hurt. That certainly hurts. But, you know, for, for the season, Ian Happ is a 121 WRC+. Plus. Say is at 117 after a really slow start. Mike Talkman's at 116. He's putting together pretty good at-bats. Dansby Swanson's 114. Patrick Wisdom somehow is still at 103, even though he's got a negative 57 WRC plus in June after a 75 WRC plus in May. Um, again, kind of like Morrell, like that was built up when he was red hot earlier in the season. 
Um, Nico's not having a great year, but he's kind of been up and down. <coughs> kind of the old uh, as he goes, we go, and he's not going right now in either of the Cubs. But when you look at the offense now over the last, let's go to the last two weeks, you look at those splits, literally the only two players on the roster with WRC plus over 100 are Miguel Amaya in um, you know five games, 19 plate appearances, and then Mike Talkman at 108. I mean, Dansby Swanson's at 96. Uh, Matt Mervis is negative 41. Christopher Morell is negative 15. Um, Seiya Suzuki is at 41. Gomes is at 40. Trey Mancini is at 57. Nico Horner is at 62. Like, nobody is hitting right now. And so nobody's hitting and the pitching is getting a little bit worse. I went through some numbers here. Um, you know, the last few episodes I've talked about a few different things. Last week I talked about missed opportunities, how the Cubs were playing a lot of these games in the margins, not hitting and not pitching well late and kind of blowing winnable games. That's continued. We've talked in the past about the bad bullpen that continues right now. I think depending on how you define circle of trust, um, there are maybe four guys that David Ross trusts. Um, I think there's, despite having a bad outing the other day, I think Mark Leiter Jr. certainly has been killing lefties. Adbert Alzala has been largely pretty good. Julian Merriweather's been great after, ever since his first you know two, three outings. His first one was the worst of the year. And even uh, Fulmer now is getting back into the mix. He's, you know, keep him out of ninth innings, you know, major leverage situations, but he's thrown some good innings lately. After that, whew, it's a mess. I mean... Jeremiah Estrada has the nice K rate, but he's walking too many guys and giving up way too much hard contact. And everybody else, I mean, Michael Rucker's back. That's never great. Um, it's, just, it's really frustrating. Um, brought up Wisniewski to try to help in the pen, and then Steele goes down. So now Wisniewski's back in the rotation. Um, he's throwing okay. Um, hopefully Steele really does just miss the two starts, comes back, and then, you know, then Wisniewski can be a nice, hopefully, addition out of the bullpen. Um, yeah, Nick Birdie looked, looked good. And then he had his appendectomy and he's going to be out for a while. I mean, appendectomy is pretty minor surgery, but it's still cutting open the, you know, abdomen to get that appendix out. So even though it's a much, much smaller wound than it would have been, you know, 40 years ago, you still got a lot of work and rehab to, you know, get that core back up to strength. But right now, you know, this team is bad. They got off to a, a really good start. And, you know, in the beginning of the season, it actually looked like that hot start was fairly sustainable. I mean, the Cubs have a team that sees a lot of pitches. Guys are working counts. They were getting starters pitch counts up, getting them out, hitting the bullpen. They're still doing a lot of that. And, and that's kind of what makes this weird. So I kind of went through a bunch of their offensive and pitching statistics and kind of compared the full season to the last 30 days. And obviously they've been a lot worse the last 30 days, but you know, in the last 30 days, the Cubs are nine and 17. And I remember a few episodes ago, we talked about run differential and how the Cubs run differential was like fourth in the national league at the time. And was really something that kind of made it look like the Cubs were playing into a little bit of bad luck. And, you know, as long as they kind of kept up those fundamental peripherals, you know, they should come back around. And I, I still think they should like this team is not this bad, but now over the last 30 days, they're nine and 17 and over those 26 games, they have a run differential of negative 50. I mean, that's like Oakland A's territory. 
So how's that happening? And when you look at the offense, you know, on the full season, the Cubs are pretty average. They've got a, they're 17th in baseball with a WRC plus of 99. That's not great, but you know, that's not worst team in baseball bad. They have, you know, league average Woba, 318, they're 15th. Um, the power is a little bit light, but we always knew this team was going to be light on power. So their, their ISO is 151, which is 19th in baseball. Um, K rate is, was probably always going to be high, but on the season, they're 26th in baseball, striking out 24.6% of the time. But to my earlier point about seeing a lot of pitches, they're third in baseball with a 9.9% walk rate. And hard hit rate, they're 25th, 30%. What's a little bit odd is when you go to the, look at just the last 30 days. So this is more how they've been hitting in this big slump they're in. The WRC plus gets worse. They're, over the last 30 days, they're 24th in baseball at 84. Their Wilb has fallen to 25th at 295. Um, K rates jumped a little bit. They're now 29th in baseball over the last 30 days at 28.4%. ISO is about the same, um, but the drop has put them like to 26th. But they're still third in baseball over the last 30 days at walk rate. And they've actually increased their walk rate over their full season numbers. And they've actually increased their hard hit rate. Now they're over the last 30 days, they're 14th in baseball as opposed to 25th with a 33.3% hard hit rate. So some of the changes they're making are resulting in louder contact. And we've seen some of that. I mean, Matt Mervis, even though he's struggling and he's got the, you know, negative 41 WRC plus over the last two weeks, he has been hitting the ball hard. Um, He's got something like a 53% Hard hit ball rate. I mean, he's making loud contact. Last night, he scorched one to right field, um, right at the right fielder. So some of that stuff will play. And I'll talk more about Mervis in a bit, but you know, he, he's a guy that I think just needs to continue to see playing time, especially if this team is struggling. Like, I know we want to change everything and make, make things win, but let's just go ahead and talk about Mervis now. I see calls for him to go back to the minor leagues. And it's possible. I mean, he, he is really struggling and... I don't know him. I don't know um, if this stretch is getting into his head, really hurting his fundamental confidence. But I still don't think he has anything left to prove at AAA. I think when he was down there before, he was crushing baseballs and he was getting pitched around a lot. And the stuff he's struggling with in the bigs, like look at that hard hit rate. Like he is finding the baseball and he is hitting it hard. What he's struggling with is dealing with, you know, top velocity high in the zone. He's struggling with wipeout sliders from lefties. Um, he's struggling with, you know, nasty changeups from right-handers. And those are pitches, like, he'll see some, but those are pitches he's just not going to see a lot of in the minor leagues. So the stuff he really needs to work on, he really can't work on at AAA. Um, other, t- other times, other guys, like Nick Madrigal, when he went down, he really just needed to get regular playing time, get his timing back, get his bat going, and that's what he's doing. He's hitting, like, I don't know, 440 or something in the minors since he's been down. Um, Christopher Morrell was started the season down to work on plate approach so that he would hopefully cut the strikeout rate. Now he crushed so many things, but, <clears throat> but the K rate really hasn't, hasn't changed. I mean, he's still striking out a ton. So he had that super hot stretch where he had nine home runs in 12 games. He was just crushing everything. And now he's, I mean, he's kind of lost right now in the last, last two weeks. He's a WRC plus and negative 15, um, 
just in June, he's played in seven games. He's over 10 with three walks and two Ks. Now the three walks is good. I like the fact that he's seeing some more pitches, but he's really struggling. Everybody's struggling. So, you know, where to go? I mean, the, I've seen a lot of talk about getting Madrigal up at this point. Um, I've made it clear I'm not I'm not the biggest Nick Madrigal fan, but the way this lineup's hitting, it's worth a shot. I don't think it's a guarantee. I mean, when Miles Mastroboni was sent down this year, he posted a 157 WRC plus in Iowa and then came back up and has struggled. Christopher Morrell and Nelson Velasquez crushed everything in Iowa and they've come up and struggled. Matt Mervis was crushing everything in AAA and came up and has struggled. So it's entirely possible that when Nick Madrigal comes back up, he goes back to hitting the 247 he was hitting when he left. But at this point, like, why the hell not, right? I mean, nobody is getting the job done. And maybe a little spark could help. Um, I've also seen a lot of talk about, you know, changing out the bench guys, you know, getting rid of DFAing Barnard or getting rid of Mastroboni and, and some of those things. Like, if you want to send some of those guys down, fine. You know, that's what, that's what the minor leagues are there for. Very few guys are playing well enough right now to really argue against potentially sending them down. But, you know, the, this team is not struggling because Miles Mastroboni or Tucker Barnhart aren't hitting. This team is struggling because nobody's hitting. But it's not just the hitting either. So when you, uh, again, I looked at numbers for full season compared to the last 30 days, and I broke things out by starters and relievers. I think, on the whole, the Cubs starting pitching this year has been pretty solid. I mean, Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele have been great. Drew Smiley has really been quite good. Um, Hayden Wisniewski has had his ups and downs. Tyone's mostly been not great, but he has looked better his last two starts. So I think we're finally coming around, hopefully finally getting to see some of the Jamison Tyone that the Cubs thought they were getting. Kyle Hendricks is back. He's looked okay, but he hasn't pitched in a year, so he's not going deep into ball games and... You're kind of just counting on hoping to get five innings at that point. And the starters, the numbers have kind of held up. I mean, the if you look at ERA minus, which is a fan graph statistic that takes basically an ERA measure where 100 is league average and being below 100 is good and being above 100 is bad. I mean, the on the season, the Cubs starting rotation is seventh in baseball with a ERA minus of 92, which basically means 8% better than the average team. Their FIP is fielding independent pitching is 10th at 403. The expected FIP is 14th at 430. Um, they're not a heavy strikeout staff. So, you know, the strikeout rate is 24th, but that's kind of where we expected it to be. They're 24th at 20.4%. The walk rate's good. The walk rate, you know, they're in top third of baseball. They're ninth at 7.1%. Hard hit rate. The Cubs starting rotation is number one in baseball for starting rotations and Hard hit rate at 28.2%. They're not giving up a lot of hard contact. Whip is 7th, 1.21. Now, if you look at those same numbers over the last 30 days, they're worse and there are some reasons for that. I mean, you brought Hendricks back. Um, Steele had one of his only... Actually, he probably had both of his bad starts in that last 30-day window, and then he's, he's now missed a start. Um, Stroman had a bad one in that situation, but they're still not terrible. ERA minus now is, is 23rd at 111, so that hasn't been great lately. Um, FIP is up to 18th. Expected FIP is 26th, so they're actually, the results they're getting are actually a little bit better than they probably deserve over the last 30 days. But when you look 
added. The Cubs are still staying about the same place in K rate, and they're still staying in the same place in, in walk rate. They're still ninth in baseball at 7.2% over the last 30 days, and they're still number one in hard hit ball rate. I mean, they're 30.1% is the best in baseball over that stretch. So the starters continue to mostly do their job. I mean, could they be better? Yes. Um, hopefully the Cubs get Steele back and, you know, get back, get him back to being the Justin Steele he was for most of the season so far. Tonight's the Stroh show, so we should all tune in for that. Um, then you look at the relievers. I mean, the bullpen has been been a bit of a mess, to put it very mildly. I mean, they're 24th in baseball in the area minus at 106. They're 20th in FIP. They're actually 13th in expected FIP, which does play in. Early in the season, I've talked about you know Michael Fulmer, Julian Merriweather. A couple of those guys have had some outings where there was a little bit of luck, um, you know, blue pits, things like that. This bullpen is not bad because of luck, but it does show up in the numbers. I mean, the, you know, their FIP is significantly worse than their expected FIP. And that plays out in things like, um, now this is relievers and this happened to a starting pitcher, but that game in Houston when, when Justin Steele gave up four runs in the first inning because Christopher Morrell couldn't read that fly ball and make that catchable catch in center. He makes that catch. Steele doesn't give up four runs in the first inning, and who knows, maybe the Cubs win that game. It certainly goes a lot differently after that. But the the worst thing in the Cubs' bullpen is the walk rate's been atrocious all year. They're walking 11%. That's good for 28th in baseball. Um, about average in hard hit rate. So, again, that kind of plays into the expected fit. They're not giving up a ton of hard contact. They're 15th at 31.5%. Uh, whip is 26th. Again, it's it's not that they're getting hit that hard. It's that they're walking too many guys and putting guys on base. Over the last 30 days, you can only imagine things have gotten worse. You know, they're, they're 29th in the RA minus at 145. So over the last 30 days, the bullpen's been 45% worse than league average, which is like Oakland A's territory. I mean, the A's are 30th. Expected or FIP is getting up close to five, but the expected FIP is still better at like closer to four and a half. So they're 26th in baseball in FIP and 22nd in expected FIP. So not as big of a change as there was in, when you look at the full season numbers. Their K rate's fallen off. I mean, the, for the full season, they're seventh in baseball in K rate. Now they're over the last 30 days, they've been 20th. I mean, they're just not, they're not getting the swing and miss. And that, you know, it's guys like, Jeremiah Estrada and Mark Leiter Jr. has had a, you know, his one or two bad outings this season have been lately. Um, but it's just, it's the same stuff over and over again. And the walk rates have gotten worse. They're last in baseball over the last 30 days, walking 13.3% of the batters they face. You are not going to win close games if the bullpen just comes in and is league worst in terms of walking people. They're, and they're league worst in whips, 1.81. So for every inning the bullpen throws, the other team's getting almost two guys on base. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. And if you're doing that on a team that has a tendency to play close games and you're doing that at a time when your offense is not is not hitting, I mean, it, it's catastrophic and we'll see, we'd see what we'd be – we will see what we've been seeing. And when you look, look across the season, like – they haven't had that 11-game losing streak, but they also haven't had any you know, five- or six-game winning streaks either. I went back through their schedule, and they've had seven winning streaks, 
but six of those have been two game winning streaks. The only other winning streak was when they won the last game in LA and then went and swept the Oakland A's. And so you could actually say that, I don't know, they beat a triple A team three in a row, but the one four game winning streak is the top. And there's just, they can't put anything together and, and really get themselves going. Over the season, the Cubs are 13-6 and six in the first game of a series. So that actually maybe bodes well for tonight with Stroman going in, in San Francisco. But as I talked about last week, I talked about their record on getaway day last year. But just closing a series, the Cubs are 4-15. and 15. So whatever they do the first two games of this series, they're often winning one. Sometimes they'll win the first two. But then they're just they're they're dropping that last game and they have a chance to leave a city upbeat and go on to the next or you know end end one series in a homestand feel good about yourself before you start the next day they're just not doing it I mean last night was another example like last week the series was bad because they got swept but again you know last last night was probably arguably one of the more winnable games as you looked at the matchups on paper before that game, I mean, they had a starter who, um, you know, the angel starter, Reed Detmers came into the game. zero and five, he had an ERA, you know, up over five. I think he was pushing six. And what does he do? He threw five and two thirds innings, gave up five hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, one run. And he dropped his ERA by almost a point or almost a run. Um, that's just what they've done. And they get that matchup that seems to favor them. It just doesn't happen. And, you know, last night, Last night, the Cubs lineup was Horner was 0 for 4. Swanson was 0 for 3. As a whole, their top four hitters were 3 for 15 with six strikeouts. I mean, and that's two hits from, say, a Suzuki. So when one guy has two, you're not stringing that many together. And it's, it's just a lot of that. I mean, the, the series went kind of largely that way the whole way. So... The team is bad right now. I think we all know that. Is there reason for hope? There's there's some. I mean, I like to say, and I like to, hopefully you hear it in in the podcast I make, but I try not to overreact. I try to look at the numbers and rely on what the the evidence shows me and pair that with, you know, I watch, I I can't watch every game. I've got three kids of my own and, and some other things in my life, but... You know, I do watch a lot of the games. I will often, if I don't see a game, I'll at least kind of go through the condensed game, catch the highlights, that kind of thing. But, you know, when, when you compare that to the numbers, sometimes the eye test and the numbers tell you different stories. So putting them together, kind of digging in, seeing why things are maybe working out the way that they are can be... It can be easy to kind of lose your thought there and lose your train of thought. And one thing I try to do is not get too high when the Cubs are going great and not get too down when the Cubs are going bad. Um, you're never as good as you are on your best day and you're never as bad as you are on your worst day. And right now the Cubs are kind of in worst day mode. Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki, Trey Mancini. These guys are not all going to be, you know, sub 100 WRC plus players for the rest of the season and into the future on whatever's left in their various contracts. They just aren't. These guys have done it too many times for too many years and it's going to come back around. Now, like I talked about last week, we're down to about a hundred games left on the schedule. Um, the Cubs are seven and a half games out of first place in one of the worst divisions in baseball. 
thank goodness they're in one of these divisions. If they were in one of the other divisions, they'd be, you know, 10 to 15 games out. Or if they were in the AL East, they'd be close to 20 out. So there is a, there is some reason for hope here. If they can get back to playing better baseball, um, their schedule is still very front loaded, which means they have more difficult teams coming. And, you know, Pittsburgh looks better than I expected them to be. So the stretch now with Pittsburgh and Baltimore was maybe looked on paper before the season, like maybe maybe not a break because you knew the Orioles were going to be good. But, um, you know, now you go from the Padres, Angels, and Giants, and you come home and you face the Pirates and the Orioles. The Cubs have the Yankees coming up. And, you know, they're I think they're going to finish the Mets before the All-Star break. So there are a lot of tough games here. The schedule does lighten up in the second half, but where are they going to be when that second half comes? I mean, if, if they continue to play like this and fall further and further behind, if they're 10, 12 games out, you know, by the all-star break, I don't know that they're making that up in the second half. But at the moment, there is still time for them to do it. And the starting pitching has been consistent and the hitters are still being patient. And I've seen some arguments that maybe they're being a little too patient right now. And that may be, I think they're, Right now, there are a lot of guys taking hittable pitches. But, uh, you know, the, the plate discipline is still there. There are some guys putting through good at-bats. Mike Talkman has looked pretty good. Um, you know, he's not a great, great, great hitter. And it's been great to see Miguel Amaya up. I, I like the at-bats he's putting together. He's been hitting the ball hard. Um, Matt Mervis is going to turn a corner at some point, I hope. Um, one of the guys I'm worried about though is Patrick Wisdom. I mean, he had a just an ungodly hot April and then was not very good in March and he's been atrocious in June. He is striking out at rates that are super high even for him. And he's always a guy who's kind of boom or bust, you know, walk home or strike out, three true out three true outcomes. Um, he's kinda of only having one outcome right now. Um he's got options. Maybe he goes down to the minors, see if he can work things out in Iowa. It's just becoming really, really hard to put a good lineup together. Um, every day I see the lineup come out, and some of the lineups people like and a lot of the lineups people hate. But we're at a point now where they need some sort of shuffle. I mean, I don't know, long-term, you know, I, I think the lineups they've been putting together, you know, that's coming coming from work that the Cubs analytics department is doing. You know, we're, we're long past the days where, Whitey Herzog and Earl Weaver would play their gut hunches 90% of the time and you know, fill out the lineup card on the way to the dugout. So the Cubs think they're putting together you know, some of the best options that they have to get guys going, but they're not hitting. So you know, they, they could shuffle things up. Personally, um, I've been intrigued for a long time about the idea of Hap leading off. Um, I'm guessing at this point that either Ross or the analytics or Hap himself don't like it. I mean, they haven't even tried it, so... I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I like I like the idea of him one. I like the idea of Seiya Suzuki two. I th- I always like putting your best all around hitter at two, and I think that guy's Seiya on the whole. Now right now he's not hitting, but yeah, you know, that's not going to last forever. Um, Dansby Swanson typically hit more in the power positions when he was with Atlanta, so he was hitting more four to six most of the time. So even if they leave Nico Horner at leadoff and leave Hap at three. Yeah, maybe they try flipping Saya and Dansby for a game or two. I don't know. I'm not going to freak out that they don't do it, but just an idea to try to get things going. But, you know, we can argue about whether Miles Mastroboni should ever play. I've probably talked about him on this podcast way too much, but it, it's a good example of 
who you play, which bench player comes in and plays a matchup at their base. Like that, they're not losing because Miles Masterboni and Tucker Barnhart are getting a couple starts a week. They're losing because the bullpen's terrible. The offense isn't getting enough done. I mean, how many times lately have we seen the Cubs actually have a good inning? They scored four in the second inning the other day against the Angels, and then that was just it. They just don't get any more. The ability for this team to push one, two extra runs across late in the game would make a huge difference. Which kind of takes me to, you know, the next question that gets talked about a lot this week. Um, David Ross. You know, should David Ross get fired? I'm not one who typically is all about firing managers. Like I said last week, I think managers get too much credit and too much blame generally. I will say, though, that there have been managers fired for better performances than what the Cubs are putting out right now. So I think David Ross is kind of in that danger zone. I Jed has come out and said, you know, it's not Ross's fault. And that's probably simultaneously true and could also be the sort of the famous, you know, high praise before firing, you know. If Ross were to go, Ross is not the only person that could manage this team. There are other people, maybe even within the organization already, that could step in and do a fine job. But if they fired Ross today, he still has the same slumping player. The new guy still has the same slumping players to make a lineup out of. They still have the same weak bullpen to go try to find outs late in the game. So I don't know what changes. So if if you want to fire Ross, okay, then what? You know, personally, I would be more supportive of a managerial change if there was kind of a clear air apparent or somebody really top notch who was available um, that you could just bring in now. Otherwise, I don't know, play it out. I mean, I've said before. Um, I think Ross is has the pedigree to be a pretty good manager. I think he's shown flashes of it at times with the Cubs. Um, he did a really nice job in 2020 through the COVID season. And then I think he you know, kept the team together really well, even as they were trading off all of the old core. And then even last year, as bad as last year was, um, I never really felt like he lost the team. And I don't know that he's lost the team now. But again, you know, when when the team is going like this, if ownership or the front office wants to make a change, it's a lot easier to fire the manager than it is to fire 26 players. <clears throat> Cause that's really what this comes down to. I know there's a lot of angst about lineup construction and efficient use of the bullpen. Who should you go to in the situation or that situation? And honestly, at this point, Ross is just kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. I mean, with the lineup, Jan Gomes is not catching every day. Now, it does help that they've brought up Miguel Maya because that's a good offensive bat who also has a good reputation as a young catcher. But guys have to play. Like, they don't really have a third baseman right now. And with Patrick Wisdom hitting the way he's hitting, you can't just lock him in every day at third base. Now, if they brought up Nick Madrigal, I, I would actually support that right now. Just lock him in, let him play four or five days a week and see if the regular bats keep that bat going. Um, but that's where Miles Masterboni is going to come in and play a little bit. That's where Tucker Barnhart's going to get a start or two a week. That's where Christopher Morrell is going to play some center field. You're going to get Mike Talkman until Cody Bellinger comes back. Um, you're going to get some Trey Mancini at first base and DH. These guys have to play, and there just aren't a lot of great options. And with the bullpen, it's been difficult too because that circle of trust is so small. You know, the Cubs will get a situation where it's the fifth inning and 
there are guys on in the lead. You know, maybe the Cubs scored a couple runs earlier and the lead's looking pretty iffy. Where are you going to go? You know, if Ross does not go to like a Mark Leiter Jr. or an Edward Alzelay in the fifth inning and you go to, you know, Brandon Hughes and Hughes comes in and, you know, walks Shohei Otani and gives up a hit to Trout and, you know, all those things, then people are mad that they didn't go to the leverage guy. But then if you're if you're burning Mark Leiter Jr. or Alzelay in the fifth inning, how are you going to get those other outs later in the game? I mean, it's just it's such a hard situation. But you know, there, there's not one magical use of the bullpen. There's not one magical lineup. It's not like Dansby Swanson or Nico Horner can only hit if they're in this one spot in the order, surrounded by these guys. These are pros. These are guys who know what they're doing. They've had careers. They've proven before that they can do it. And they just have to do it. They just have to be better. And that's usually what firing a manager comes down to. I mean, especially these days, you know, the, like I said earlier, the, the manager's not just, David Ross isn't just going gut hunch every day and, and throwing a bunch of crazy ideas onto a lineup pad. I mean, there's analytics and sports psychiatry and strength and conditioning coaches that all weigh into how these guys are performing, how they're, moving around the complex, how their lifts are going, how they look against certain types of pitchers, how they look against certain pitch profiles. I mean, so much goes into it now that if you fire the manager, you're still going to get a lot of the same stuff. You know, hire some different manager. It's not all of a sudden like now you're going to go hire Earl Weaver and he's just going to go rogue and do his own thing. Now the front office is going to hire somebody who's going to work within the framework that they've established and that's how it's going to go. Um, so when you look around for blame, I think, you know, I've heard that Carter Hawkins and Jed Hoyer have been talking, you know, at three o'clock in the morning after some of these games, like trying to figure out what's going on. And I think right now, I think that can be kind of a danger zone as a front office because they put together this team, no matter what some people say on Twitter, they put together a team that they thought could be 500 or better and perhaps catch a little lightning in a bottle or get hot late and make a run in, in a very weak division or potentially sneak into a third wild card. That's still potentially on the table. That could happen. But the more and more these missed opportunities, the more this seems to be slipping away, they want to win. Jed Hoyer does not want to say all the things he said this offseason and then have a, another complete sell-off. That would be a complete failure. So they're working and talking and trying to figure out what can be done. And we've talked about it before, but the... The 40-man roster, because they've added Kevin Alcantara, because Ben Brown is on it, um, Miguel Amaya before he came up. You know, there are a lot of young guys on this 40-man roster that just are not options to DFA. Like You are not going to DFA Kevin Alcantara so you can take a flyer on some middle infielder, an outfielder at Iowa who's on a hot stretch. So they're a little bit limited in what they can do. Um, there are guys at the major league roster that, you know, you could move on from. But I think we're seeing now, I mean, I think everybody was pretty much for it at the time, but the, it's looking like maybe the Eric Hosmer move was a little premature. They actually probably could use his bat right now. And I wouldn't have thought I'd say that, you know, four weeks ago. But that's where they are. So when you look at Wisdom, he's got options he could go down. You could also DFA him, but he's a guy who's shown... He can get hot. He's got power. And the Cubs don't have a lot of power. So what do you do? I mean, do you play him through this atrocious stretch and you have no idea how long it's going to go? Um, 
Mastroboni, another guy who's hit every step of the minor leagues, is not getting it done right now in Chicago. He could go down, but you know he could go down for Nick Madrigal right now. That's probably a move I would make today. Um, I would bring Madrigal up and probably either send Wisdom or, or Mastroboni down. And that's fine. They both have options. But start looking at trades. You know, I've seen fans climbing for trades. One thing that's important to remember is any guy you sign in the offseason effectively can't be traded till after June 15th. You can trade them, but you can only trade them for cash considerations or player value of less than $500,000. So the Cubs could only make any big trades right now by using guys that they had on the roster last season. But after, and, and that's where, that's kind of when the trade deadline or the, all the trade stuff starts. After June 15th, anybody's on the table for being traded, you know, as long as they don't have a no trade clause. And that's going to start ramping up for the Cubs. I'm not going to get into trade deadline stuff yet. There's too much time and I don't frankly want to talk about it. Um, I don't think the Cubs should be wholesale sellers. I think the more this goes south, though, if you have a couple guys that you can trade, maybe you do it. Um, I know there have been I think the, the two biggest guys are Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. I think Marcus Stroman is somebody I absolutely don't want to trade. If, if there's any way, he has said he wants to stay in Chicago. Cubs have said they want to keep him. The fans love him. He's pitching great. Um, he would get you a big haul, but if, if you trade him – and get a big haul. That's that's nice, but now you got a guy who's pitching like a number one, that is now likely not going to be part of your plans moving forward. So now, as you, you know, I talk about a lot. Jed Hoyer talks about stacking good decisions on good decisions. I don't think trading Marcus Stroman's a good decision. I think extending him would be a much better decision because the Cubs surely want to compete next year. I mean, the, right now the Cubs have a core of players. They've got Ian Happ locked up for this year plus three. Seiya Suzuki this year plus three. Dansby Swanson this year plus six. Uh, Nico Horner this year plus three. They've got a young Matt Mervis. They've got young Miguel Amaya. Um, Justin Steele is locked up till 2028. Um, they're just, that's a core, and the Cubs have clearly defined the next, this year plus three years, as a window in which they want to win. So there was no point to extending Nico and Ian Happ, if the Cubs are just going to do a complete sale, you know, sell it back to the studs and then see what you can do in, in an off season next year when the free agent pool, frankly, is not that great. You know, Shohei Otani is going to be the huge fish on the market. Um, I still think the Cubs are going to have their puncher's chance at getting him, but if you don't get him, there's not a whole lot else out there. It's not a great starting pitcher market. Now maybe you, t- maybe you trade Marcus Stroman and you still talk him into signing back with the Cubs next year. I, I don't know, but I think, I think it's far better to not let him get a taste of somewhere else. Keep him happy here. Because if he goes, now you're down a top-level starting pitcher. And there are good young pitchers coming up. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for what's coming. I, I think Ben Brown looks really good. I like what I'm seeing from Jordan Wicks. I think Hayden Wozneski can still be a starting pitcher. But the odds of any of those guys, you know, Cade Horton looks amazing right now. And Cade is probably the one guy who maybe projects to be you know, maybe a true ace level starter, but he's also a guy who's thrown like 20 innings this year and he threw 53 innings for his whole entire college career in, in Oklahoma. So he's not a guy who's, you know, two months away from being, you know, the Cubs ace in Chicago. So who is going to take that Stroman role? You know, is, 
there will be opportunities to trade, um, you know, in the off season, they could potentially trade, um, you know, some of their young outfield depth for, uh, maybe a cost controlled young starting pitcher who's at or pushing those levels. Um, but it just gets harder. If you sign Stroman, you've got the Cubs have the money to do it. I don't think, I don't think he's getting $30 million a year. I mean, he's already 32, um, but the Cubs could easily tear up his, you know, one year left at twenty-one million dollars and go sign him for an additional three years at twenty-eight. You know, maybe even go, maybe do even go three, three years, ninety million dollars, or four years at you know twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Um, he's the kind of pitcher that I think probably ages fairly well. I mean, he's he's a soft contact guy. He has pretty good velo, but he's you know not top shelf velo. But like uh, he hasn't shown signs of losing what he has. Um, the, the, his, the movement he's been getting this year has been phenomenal. So I think he's a guy who can certainly pitch two, three, four more years. So trading him, I think, would be dumb. I think Cody Bellinger on the flip side. You know, at this point, I don't even know. Um, he's going down to the Arizona Complex League now to get some swings in, and then he'll do a rehab assignment. I don't know how healthy his knee is going to be. I mean, if he can get back to what he was, you know, late April, early May, then that's a very tradable piece. And he's a guy that the Cubs, frankly, should consider. But I think coming into the season, I don't think there was much expectation that he was going to be somebody who would stick in Chicago. I think the goal was he would come in and perform and the Cubs would either use that while they're trying to compete or they would trade him if the things went south like they are right now. Um, but I think also with the struggles of Matt Mervis and the fact that Cody Bellinger is also an excellent first baseman, I think you could really make a case for potentially extending Bellinger. It just depends on the cost and the years and all those things with the young outfield the Cubs have coming up and see what Matt Mervis does the rest of the season. But, you know, I don't think there are a lot of guys that can trade. I think the Cubs hopefully look at making some deals in the margins. You know, maybe they can pull off a trade like they did for um, Wesneski, you know, take trade something from a position of strength and, and find somebody good on the other side. But, you know, it comes right down to it. Having a third straight season where the Cubs sell Strom, sell Stroman, sell Ballinger, sell Merriweather, Fulmer, if he, you know, continues to pitch better and better. If you just trade all the parts again and get more 22-year-old kids in AA, you're helping the farm system, but you're just, the season's a failure. So I'm hoping the Cubs will stay away from that. Um, hey, I'm optimistic about tonight, right? The Cubs are 13-6 and six opening a series, and they've got Stroh on the hill tonight, which probably means they're going to lose. But um, optimistic about tonight. At some point, this team has to play better. And let's see when it starts. Hopefully it starts tonight. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked the discussion, or maybe especially if you didn't, please drop a rating and review wherever it is you get your podcasts, or tell a friend about the show. Just a few seconds from you gives me great feedback and helps other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at CubsPS+. And check out the Patreon page, CubsPSPlus.Patreon.com, to help support the show and keep it ad-free. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!